0: You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. on, uh, well, on BingeMedia.net, but uh, this episode might be elsewhere as well. Uh, I'm Jack. I'm joined today by somebody who's not my normal co-host. Chad is not around, and so in his stead, uh, I have decided to bring along the one, the only, master of the horror returns, uh, Lance from Texas. What's up, Lance?
1: Hey, man. Uh, Appreciate it. We've been talking about this for a while. As a matter of fact, I think when I got out of the theater checking out bo is afraid i texted you that this movie reminds me of another movie in yeah. certain spots and you i think you agreed right away
0: yeah yeah i uh yeah so we're talking about bo is afraid today and uh we're gonna get into it this is gonna be a little bit different of an episode than we normally do obviously we always do the superlatives and all that stuff but uh we're gonna go in a different direction because this is uh this is an interesting movie i think it's worth talking about um and this episode is going to get spoilery Movie homework always does And we don't always do a recent release So make sure that if you don't want to be spoiled You don't listen to this episode any further Because we are probably going to dip pretty heavily into that Throughout here But uh, but as always um, Let's just start off the top Play a little bit of the trailer and we'll go from there I love you Are you at the airport? I'm on my way, I just It's not safe, is it? What do you think I should do? I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. Welcome back. I hit you with my car. What? I know.
1: What was this? That's my little assistant health monitor feeling sad about going home, Bo? Must feel totally unreal. I'm supposed to
0: be leaving. I don't know if
1: that's going to happen.
0: Crazy trailer. Crazy trailer. Um, All right, so 2023's Bo's Afraid, Ari Aster. uh, You know, on the Movie Homework feed, we have talked about Ari Aster once already with Midsommar a few weeks back. Uh, That was a good conversation, and... Yeah, Ari Aster is just—he's uh, kind of one of my guys. Anytime a movie's coming out by him, I'm—I'm going to be interested in seeing it. But Lance, what's your uh, what's your relationship with Aster movies? He's three for three
1: he's easily, man. And um, and on set as usual on second watch, I got so much more out of is Afraid* than on the first watch where I saw it in the theater. So interesting. Yeah, I mean no work but up, man. Um, so let's see. I started out with a *Hereditary* that was all, all three of us on the horror returns. That was our favorite film of that year, which is, which is rare. Cause usually I'm a little bit more of the sci-fi vent. Mm. Uh, Brian is a little bit more, he likes the gore, you know, he likes the gore, like the old school type horror movies. Sure. And Philip Phillips is, is the fucking wild card, dude. you never know what this guy's going to like. Cause just when you think he likes everything, he'll give a, he'll give like a negative one to something. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck is up with this guy? But, uh, yeah, man, this this might have been our first. Actually, I think Hereditary was our first, where all three of us picked it as our favorite film of the year. Um, Midsommar was my favorite film of that year, not so much with the guys. And, hmm. um, you know, the year the year's uh, list is still to come out, but Bo, Bo is afraid is going to be on there, man. There's, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say he's the new Kubrick yet, but uh, or, you know, up there with david fincher or somebody like that as we were talking about before the show but uh guy's got a guy's got a bright future man can't wait to see what he does next
0: yeah i think so you know in our midsummer episode midsummer episode that chad and i recorded um we kind of talked about this a little bit and one of the criticisms that gets thrown his way a lot is the fact that he makes movies that are reworks of other stories so the idea being that hereditary is his version of rosemary's baby um, Midsommar is his version of the Wicker Man but I was afraid is his version of uh, something we'll talk about a little later on but um, that is an interesting way to uh, I don't know, kind of attack uh, dealing with Astor's work but I think he, I say the same thing I said in the other episode, I think he's original enough and he brings enough to the table where he's doing his own thing um, there's some similarities with those stories but in my opinion, not enough to be anything more than a sort of, uh, you know, flattering imitation. I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's trying to reinvent the wheel with any of those. But, um, well, yeah. So, Bo is afraid. Joaquin Phoenix is Bo, and this movie is like a lot of other movies in the last year, three hours long. Um, oh now, yes,
1: been a very yeah. good year for long movies after post COVID. Yeah
0: yeah now some of those movies I think justified their run times and others um, I'm not so sure they did um is <laughs> Afraid is is really an interesting movie to me because it's got right from the outset you know that you're in a a just crazy other world it's not reality it's like hyper real you know um the fact that there's a guy running around on the street, just butt-ass naked, murdering people on the six o'clock news, should tell you everything you need to know. Like it's just, it's just crazy. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix, you know, he's he, obviously Joker finally got him an Oscar. I think the guy has been great for pretty much his whole career. Um, sure. Are you a, are you even, a Joaquin even guy? Even when he,
1: even when he had us on, right, and and said True. he was a rapper and exactly. no longer an actor, that, that exactly. was
0: great. Yeah, I mean that even that I think is hilarious 'cause I you know, I'm I'm a I'm a lover of like crazy documentaries and that's definitely a crazy one. But no doubt. Um,
1: no but doubt. Yeah. I, I loved him in I loved him in Gladiator Jack. Um Absolutely. I thought that he was to to me, I mean, don't get me wrong, um Gladiator had a lot of great, you know, great performances in it, up to and including skinny Russell Crowe. As True. opposed to what we get now, which is of course, you know, Proud of that Russell know. No, I, I thought I thought he had one of the best performances in the in the film because I hated him so fucking much. I agree. And I anytime agree. somebody can give you that much of a visceral feeling, that's that's acting. I,
0: I mean, I love those performances that are just make you, like you said, just make you fucking hate somebody. walking uh, Phoenix is commodus and gladiator is one of those uh, Sharon Stone is Ginger in Casino is another one where it's just mm-hmm. she is such a mega bitch, but she's Absolutely. so good at it. You got to give her credit. Um, but yeah, it, it's I think he's one of the the better actors working these days. Um, he's he makes a lot of interesting choices. I'm excited for his forthcoming Napoleon movie. You know, another Ridley Scott flick that oh, that, that bodes right. pretty well. That's right. You know. <laughs> And I think in this he is just he makes some really interesting choices, man. You know, he starts out he's he, I don't know how old do you think he is? Late forties somewhere in there, or it's, early fifties. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to tell. He could be a relatively
1: young man, like even yeah. late thirties, but just early balding, right? From all the right. an, from all the anxiety and all the guilt yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, or he could be fifty five, or yeah. he could be anywhere in between. That's what's kind of cool about it, and. You definitely see him at some several other ages in this movie, which True. I think is a a great choice to do True. that. True. Um One thing that I kind of felt cheated on a little bit, Jack, was I wanted more flashbacks to what made him what he is now with the wall. You get. To, uh, uh, it, am I allowed to say that yet? Well, that's <laughs> out of the bag. Now we're, to,
0: we're we're we are going right. to be talking about that a little bit here. So.
1: Okay, so in Pink Floyd The Wall, you've got several flashback scenes, right? Sure. Where young yeah. Pink is 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 young Pink, but um, I, I I did I did certainly appreciate the scene on the cruise ship where he met the young lady that uh, will come into play later in the movie as well. But I certainly would have appreciated more flashback scenes. Now we did get a director's cut of Midsummer. It w- it added about forty minutes. Was it really that necessary? as per what you and chad said i agree with you it really wasn't a lot of that mm. stuff yeah some of the character development with christian and you know the throwing the kid in the water with the rocks on him, but then pulling them out and they're still alive Eh, we didn't need that but now this movie this movie i think would really benefit from more youth flashbacks i want to see more of his relationship with his mother
0: yeah yeah i i'd, I'd be interested and, and you know one of the things that I, there's so many little details in this movie that I find hilarious and interesting and kind of strange uh, one of which again this is spoilers for Bo is Afraid but uh, I don't know maybe my favorite cameo of the year Bill Hader is the UPS delivery man. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I knew I recognized his voice on the phone, and then did when you? it shows, See, I didn't. Yeah. I did
1: I recognized Richard Kind's voice
0: immediately. Of course, of course. <laughs> Impossible not to. But okay. uh, But yeah, Bill Hader shows up. Mark Duplass shows up as I think he was a bumblebee or a butterfly, one or the other, at the oh, play. Oh, in, in the play, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so he pops up. But yeah, it's just a really interesting kind of. Uh, I don't want to call it a meandering movie it feels like a like a metaphysical i don't know journey into the mind or something you know because it, it's so it's, it's basically a five-act structure starts yeah. out in a,
1: a, I, I love the way that i'm sorry to interrupt yeah i no. love the, with the screen i'm pretty passionate about this movie because i just re-watched it again a couple of nights ago so it's fresh in my mind but yeah. i absolutely love the way the screen goes to total black Mm-hmm. And, I mean, long enough to make you a little uncomfortable. Like, is the movie over? Or are we going to get right. more, you know, kind of like Barbarian did at the scene sure. where the crazy woman came out at the end in the hallway. Yeah. And you're like, is that the end of the movie? Should we get up? Should we right. go get right. popcorn? <laughs> you know. What's uh, next but step? I love the way they did that, man. Uh, yeah. You're right. Five X. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not
0: at all. It's, uh, it's where we're, we're breaking this thing down, you know. But, you know, a, a lot of great, uh, you know, Guest performances by Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane. I thought was really funny. In those. Oh yeah, and, and there's there's another uh, the, the guy living on their property. His name's Dennis Minishay. Um
1: Yes, I've seen you, him before.
0: Yeah, he, well, he was the dairy farmer in *Glorious Bastards* at the beginning. He's oh, a very shit. well-known French actor, actually. Yeah, um, okay. but you know, he, he's he's uh, looking a little Russell Croweish himself in this movie. But but uh, still a good actor. Still a good actor. And um yeah there there's just I, the best way I could describe this movie is you're either going to really enjoy watching somebody get slowly tortured for 3 hours or you're not. Like you're either going to find that funny and maybe a little empathetic or you're not going to be able to deal with it. And you're going to have to shut it off an hour in. And I don't think there's a middle ground, you know. I think you're either on board or you're not with this movie. Um you know, because there's no there's no logical explanation for I think Anything that's going on in the flick. Like it's I I really think it is just you're you're stepping inside the mind of somebody who is riddled with anxiety and like oh absolutely maternal guilt for just existing, you know, and, and everything is just like up the, the whole world around him is completely oppressive and difficult and terrible to him. Um it just it makes me laugh. The the whole so the whole thing makes me laugh with like morbid laughter, you know
1: you're you're saying unreliable narrator is a <laughs> is, is is a calm way to describe this movie
0: it, yeah it, you know it might be that it might also just be your it, it could be incredibly reliable narrator you know like it, okay. it, from his perspective his whole world could be skewed so heavily that like these are the things he's experiencing and, and you know his psychologist is it turns out is like working against him um what he thinks was, about was his mother trip, wasn't it? yeah like <laughs> what he thinks about his mother being alive or dead is working against him um, sure. the one girl that he had feelings for when he was a kid finally meets her sleeps with her and of course she just fucking dies <laughs> with him. Like, and but then he his did. mother's watching
1: he didn't, like, he didn't have the heart attack like true. his father and his father's
0: father and his exactly. father's 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 all dead exactly you know? and, and you know just the the whole concept of the play and him sort of projecting what his life would look like, and had he been walking, allowed to live it, yeah, stepping through that for twenty to twenty-five minutes to then revert and be like, nope, that's not what happens, and it's just oh, just the play It's like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck, man. But I don't know what. So I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of talking here, but you said you were really passionate about this movie. Is there something specific that? connected with you on this or or is it more just it's it's a wild ride and you're you're kind of here for it
1: okay let's let's take let's take the opening sequence well the the absolute opening sequence you don't know what's going on until you figure out that he's literally being born which is kind of an odd way to start a movie right a little bit but then you go to him and he's in this incredibly um okay so he's in a part in an apartment complex that's to call it an institutionalized looking setting is a is an understatement, right? For sure. Okay, so like basically, uh, just picture the worst possible apartment complex in communist Russia,
0: yeah, but then exactly. overrun by hood,
1: but overrun by hoodlums, right? Yep. And yep. and that's where he lives. And I see, I compare that to the beginning of The Wall, where it's yeah. in the you're in the hallways of the of the hotel that he's staying at. The lady's got the vacuum cleaner going. On and super institutionalized. So that was the first big similarity that I mm. saw between the two movies and those were both in the very beginning part of the the film. And so that first that first sequence where he's you know, he's fighting with himself. You know, he doesn't want to see his mother. There's no fucking way that he wants to see her. He wants to live his own life. In the back of his mind he's got all of these dreams. I could have done this. I could have been this. I could have had this family. I could have found a woman to fall in love with. But Mother smothered me, and Mother convinced me that if I have sex for the very first time, I'm going to have a heart attack and die immediately. And that's just very similar to the mother in the wall. So we'll get into that as well. But uh, No, that, that, that first 30, 40 minutes of this movie is just an exercise in just anxiety to the nth degree. And we'll, we'll get into it later. I don't want to talk about it quite yet, but I don't, don't let me forget that I do want to talk about how much we've relied on medications, things like that, and escapism sure. to get away from our anxiety. I have a pretty strong theory, Jack, that, um, and, and, and this, is, this kind of compares to the wall, too, because you've got his father died in World War II, and that was pretty obvious from the storyline, and, you know, the, the gun was left behind that, yeah, <laughs> we know what happened. We saw the beginning part of the wall. Uh, Just a hell of war and, you know, wanting to just get out of it any way you you possibly can. Of course. So I've got a strong theory, Jack, that we have gotten to the point in this. I don't know if it's just in the U.S. Maybe some of our, you know, listeners in Canada and other parts of the world, Europe, can tell us whether it's the same way there or not. But we have gotten so incredibly soft. And we have gotten so incredibly safe and secure whether we really are or we think we are, that we I think we've all gotten to the point where we have to create our own monsters. We have to create our own war. Look, dude, we don't have tigers chasing us down trying to eat us anymore or bears like we did, you know, even just 100 years ago, right? Hmm. We don't have, you know, uh, displaced Native Americans trying to kill us as we're going west anymore right. like we did 100 years ago. So I think we all create our own monsters and our own anxiety now. And in many ways, it's worse. And then now we've got these doctors that have these miracle drugs, you know, Xanax, lithium, you know, you name it. And we'll get into the paint drinking later because I've got some theories about that as well. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, just think about it, man. He's he, This guy's in a situation where things probably aren't really as bad as he thinks they are. But just because he's so incredibly anxious, he thinks every single person out on the street is trying to get him, trying to break into his apartment, trying to take what little bit he has. Um, I Shit, I don't know what's going on with that fucking note about you're playing your bass too loud. Maybe you can explain that to me. But yeah, no, this first 40 minutes yeah. was complete fucking insanity, Jack. It was yeah. in some ways my favorite part of the movie.
0: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people agree with you in the in the opening section, especially. You know, I, I, I saw so many reviews for this movie where people said, yeah, I loved the first act, and then it sort of just got worse from there for a lot of folks. Um, and I can kind of understand that because the first act is hilarious, and I think that kind of bleeds into the second act, too. There's a lot of funny stuff in there, but the movie definitely moves in different directions. I think it is still pretty darkly hilarious at times but it gets less funny as it goes and becomes less of a okay less, okay. less of an open farce and more of like a like a metaphysical journey you know the that it, it just sort of the narrative shifts into I think being more a reflection of, of what Bo is feeling in inside of his mind and just the okay. like the, the world around him is is an external version of what he sees in his head Um. But, it, you know, it's interesting, your point about there not being challenges or, or not being real dangers to contend with. It's a really interesting theory. I've heard it put forward on, on you know, different podcasts and, and, you know, written in different books over the years. I think there's definitely something to it. I think that there have been a lot of movies that have dealt with this. And I think one of them that comes to mind immediately is Fight Club, you know. It, that whole speech ah, about we are the middle right. children of history, we have no great war, our great war is ourselves, all that stuff. I mean, speaking directly to what you're talking about there. where Speaking of Fincher, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and you end up in a prison of your own mind. And how difficult is that to, to escape from, right? If you don't have the self-awareness to rise above that, I, I mean, I can't imagine what that must be like for somebody who has a legitimate psychological problem, you know? Um, and while Bo is a funny character to watch, he's also a really kind of depressing one for, I think, a certain kind of person, you know? Um, He ultimately succumbs to whatever his mental illness is, and, uh, you know, it it culminates in him, like you said, in one scene, drinking some paint. Uh, In another scene, imagining a life where he could have actually lived it. And yeah. been somebody and not just be the, you know, version of himself that's probably the, his his least favorite version of what he want, would have wanted to be, you know. Um, and his story ends in the most brutal way possible with being judged uh, by the person in his life who sort of uh, crippled his emotions to begin with. I mean, I can't think of anything worse than that you know um, <laughs> pretty
1: pretty dark <laughs> pretty it's dark pretty stuff.
0: dark but I say with a smile on my face because it's also pretty yeah. fucking funny like the way it's presented here is funny you know um, so yeah I just think this movie is so rich with, with like metaphors and meaning I've seen it twice I know I'm going to watch it again and it's the kind of movie that I think the longer the more distance we have from it I really see this being the kind of movie that pops up in, say, the Criterion Collection in a couple of years, and people will write essays about, and you know, maybe maybe 15 years from now, Astor has his version of a movie like The Whale, where he gets a bunch of Oscars for it, right? And he's like, mm-hmm. recognized as this sure. great filmmaker. And then people will look back and be like, oh, you know, that Bo is afraid. It was a little weird, but man, that was, that's his magnum had, opus kind of thing, you know? Like the say. the reevaluation, say. right? Like, that always sure. happens, but... Well, yeah.
1: Kind of like like Aronofsky's mother, right? Where everybody was walking out and giving it was like a a fucking twenty score, exactly. Audience score, right? Everybody fucking hated it. What the fuck did I just see? That was garbage, right? You know. Right. But I mean, I loved it. AJ and I loved it. We came out of that movie. We went to after we saw Mother. We went and had uh, we had a brunch, and it turned into a two and a half hour brunch because we kept talking about the movie.
0: Yeah.
1: And so this is one that she watched with me as well. And I was like, I don't know how my wife's going to react to this movie. Because um, she said, well, she said, oh, it's Ari Aster, huh? And I said, yeah, it's Ari Aster. And she said, well, you've already told me because of my fear of demons not to watch Hereditary. So what is Bo afraid of, Lance? Is he afraid of <laughs> demons? Is it going to be demons? Could it be Satan that comes out when they are watching this movie? And I'm like, no. It's not that kind of movie. Give it a chance. Jack, she was fucking riveted. She could not. It's a three-hour movie. We started it at like 10 p.m. I -hmm. thought, okay, we'll watch half tonight. We'll watch the second half tomorrow. I kept trying to turn the movie off. She's like, no, I want to see what's going to happen next. She fucking loved it. She was mesmerized, man. But one thing I noticed, there were a lot of scenes where I just fucking started laughing my ass off. And she turned and looked at me. She said, what are you laughing at? that's not funny what he's going through that's yeah. not humorous he's going through hell right now why are you laughing and i'm like give it a second watch maybe you yeah. will
0: laugh yeah yeah um that whole fr- that, that uh that expression boiling the frog right,
1: right. that's basically what this movie is <laughs> i love it that's a great analogy man and
0: it, it especially makes sense because he ends it up in the water up. at the sure. end right so, oh yeah,
1: lots of water, lots of water in the wall.
0: As a matter of right, fact, too. Right. So yeah. So maybe this is as good a time as any. So you've alluded to it a couple of times, but so Bo was afraid walking out of the theater. My first mm-hmm. thought, and I was, you know, Meg and I saw it. We saw it with with two other couples. We get out of the theater. We're in the lobby. We're talking about the movie. We're all just walking out of the theater, laughing. You know, like, oh man, that movie was great. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And as we're going home, I think Meg was driving and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and it occurs to me, and I'm just like, oh, my God, that ending reminded me a lot of The Wall. And then the more... A lot! (laughs) The more I thought about it, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, so some different things happen, and it's a different character, and the circumstances are a little different, but...
1: It's it's modernized. It's modernized. Exactly.
0: It's the same sort of, like, alienated, anxiety-riddled character, um... There's there's a there's a female companion that is you know kind of brushed aside in a similar way we'll say in the wall. Um, mm-hmm. The trial at the end of the wall is incredibly similar to the end of *Bo is Afraid*. Almost,
1: almost scene for scene, I would I would argue, Jack.
0: I, I mean, the only difference here is that *Bo is Afraid* isn't a musical, but if it was, I, I have to think it would sound a lot like *The Trial*. You know, um, the, the evidence difference...
1: before the court is incontrovertible.
0: Well, the only difference being that the wall has a positive ending, you know? <laughs> where where they finally get outside the wall and maybe there's some hope. But I was afraid well, of there no is hope. A,
1: there is an explosion. In all fairness, there's an explosion at the end of this one too. It's true.
0: It's true. But <laughs> it's just not the wall that blows. <laughs> I, yeah. The uh the, the, the whole scene in the attic when that happened, I just knew that this oh, movie sure. was way, way over the uh Way over the line, but again, the imagery of like the giant penis in the attic—I
1: mm-hmm.
0: immediately said to myself, "Oh my, like it's the it's it's Gerald Scarf paintings. It's the wall. Like mm-hmm. it all, There were so many illusions. So outside of those couple things we, you mentioned before and the things I said, did you pick up on any other references that you wanted to kind of like hash out?
1: I did. I did. Yeah. Like like I said early on, like that first sequence, it's very institutionalized. Okay. So yeah. you're not in a comfortable comfy home. He's in an incredibly uncomfortable shitty apartment that we find out later his mother paid for yep. to keep him there because we see the pictures when he's walking around after her death. <laughs> and then, you know, you know in the in, in the beginning of the wall, you've got him in the hotel, you know, and then you've got there's a lot of um a lot of fear of others. So yeah. when you – okay, how do I describe this? So it's not quite the same because, yes, obviously Bob Geldof's character is a, is a is a mega rock star. Sure. So the reason that people are tearing down the gates and bursting through and coming toward him in droves mm. may or may not be the same reason that people are doing that same exact thing to Bo. But, dude, the concept is fucking spot on. Exactly. Okay? So you've got a metal gate – that the fans are literally knocking down to get through, to get a piece of Bob Geldof. And then when you're in Bo's Afraid, you've got all the crazy street people that are out there that are literally bursting into his apartment and breaking the glass to get a piece of Bo. So you can't argue with that. You've got lots of water. So in Bo's Afraid, he's laying in a bathtub. And he looks up. (laughs) <laughs> and you got the poster earlier of the brown brown recluse spider somewhere in the building. Don't let right. it bite you. Right. The dude is up there literally barely holding on with sweat pouring off of him into the, into the tub. And you see the brown recluse. <laughs> and then the oh, guy falls on top of Bo, man. Yeah. And that was one of the most funniest fucking moments I've ever oh, seen. Yeah. Where you've yeah. got a fucking naked with incredibly huge... Balls, yes. yes. <laughs> As we're going to learn later, the medical reason for that, courtesy of Nathan Lane, um, <laughs> but potentially cancerous nuts, <laughs> right? Right. And um, yeah, so you got the water floating there, and then you got Bob Geldof in the wall floating in the pool. The first time he's just floating in there by himself. The second time was after he grabbed the glass and broke his or cut his hand. And right. you've got the Jesus motif, right, where his yes. arms are yes. out. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, okay, and then at the beginning of the wall, you've got the mother sitting there on a park bench, and you see the baby carriage in the distance. Like she's there, but she's not really there, because right. the baby carriage is again twenty or thirty feet away from her, and she's just so self-absorbed on the park bench. And that really hit me. So that was a couple of things that I, you know, kind of noticed early on. What about
0: you? So I, yeah, there, there were, there was one thing in particular that I. I was trying to make a connection on, and I wanted to, wanted to bring it up, because I wasn't sure how, I wasn't sure if I was explaining it correctly in my own mind, but, so I was trying to look at other characters, right, and see if there were any illusions, like direct allusions to the wall movie, and in the movie, Bob Hoskins shows up, right, and he's a, he's like a tour manager for Pink, I think he's supposed to be his band manager, Oh yeah,
1: sure, sure. Eating all the food like a savage, right. and just like enjoying right. the, 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 <laughs> the. What, what do you call them? The um, ah, shit. I can't think of the word from the. I guess the groupies, right? That oh, of course, come through yeah. and uh, do whatever they have to do to get backstage. And that's right, that's right. Um,
0: um, so in a sense, his character is a leech, right? He's kind of leeching off of Pink. Um, you know, no point. bands Absolutely. need managers, but. You know, it looks like maybe he's uh, he's he's getting fat and sassy off of Pink's hard work a little bit there, right? So I was trying to think: is there an analog to that in Bo is Afraid? And I don't think that it's it's exactly the same, but it sure seems like Amy Ryan and Nathan Lane are sort of trying to get the same sort of thing out of Bo, where they have a child who is missing, right, or or a, mm-hmm. a, a member of their family who's gone. And they're trying to use the relationship with Bo to fill a void somehow. And that they are essentially the leeches in the Bo is Afraid story that are doing something similar to the Bob Hoskins character. It's like you said, it's not the exact same, but I think in terms of their relationship to the main character, it kind of serves a similar purpose. It's just a little bit different of a twist. Do you agree with that at all or am I like way off on that, you think?
1: Dude, now that now that you describe it that way, I was I was trying to figure out how that kind of fit together. And yeah. that explanation is as good as any I can think of because yeah. they've got number one, they've got they've got a couple of they've got a couple of reasons for guilt, right? Number one, they've got the guilt of losing their son that was right. in the military. And that's why they let the crazy son of a bitch right get there exactly. in his little uh, you know, trailer. Um, and then they've got, they've also obviously got the guilt of her hitting Bo with her fucking car, (laughs) even though that wasn't her fault. You know, Bo was just out running naked in the street because, you know, he's trying to get away from a, a, a fucking cop that went overboard, like trying to shoot him thinking he was the, the greasy strangler, so to speak. That's right. The (laughs) knife. (laughs) Classic. So, uh. Yeah, lots of guilt there. And, yes, they're pulling him in. Oh, my God, dude, now that you mention it, not only did they bring him into their house, they put him in their sweet little daughter's bed with all the K-pop posters on the wall and all all the little stuffed animals everywhere. And just the softest, sweetest, nicest little place. You nailed it, brother. I think you just hit that one right on the head. Yeah, I, so, I see them totally as the as the uh, Hoskins character.
0: So I, th- I think there's something to that. They're getting a lot out of that. I think, and, and and so another connection I was trying to make. So in the wall, Pink has fantasies about him as essentially a fascist dictator at a concert, right? And that basically he is, Hitler, right? Exactly, and he is the supreme. Uh, being he is in control of the environment and this is his ultimate dream now I think in the pink story for me he becomes that because his experiences are so are so negative and so bad throughout his life right so his fantasy is to become that whereas Bo's fantasy is to you know be happy have a family grow old and then die
1: three sons right
0: right Right, and while they're... Again, I don't think that Bo is Afraid is a remake of The Wall. I think that it is a framework, though, for what Ari Aster wanted to do with Bo is Afraid. I think that he took some of the the broad strokes and colored them in with his own palette, you know? And I think this is an example of that, where, you know, I don't know that The Wall necessarily has a five-act structure, and the story is a little bit loose. The movie holds together fine, but it's it's not... Uh, again, I think there's some some metaphorical stuff, you know, and it's not necessarily A to B to C to D. I think it jumps around a bit there. But sure, sure. in in Bo, I just saw the the sort of theatrical performance on stage. It's it, well, it's a direct analog to the, the the Pink Floyd side of it because he's doing the same thing. He's performing on a stage. The Absolutely, difference is yeah. Pink takes it to you know he, his he's on a power trip. Whereas Bo wants to just kind of live a, a good life. So I, I saw a little bit of comparison there as well. Whether it was conscious or not, I, I don't know, you know. Um, but just something, something interesting that I, I thought was going on there. Um, and then, you know, obviously everything that happens at the ending, we, we kind of talk that through. The Parker Posey character, um, I think that the fact that he reconnects with her sleeps with her and then she dies that happens to one of pink's i don't know if it's one of his groupies or his girlfriend it's kind of i don't know if it's a little bit nebulous there or maybe i'm misinterpreting it but maybe it's his ex-wife even i think it is his ex-wife isn't it isn't there like an allusion to them being married i think
1: yeah the right re- the redhead right
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And his and his mother was also a bit of a redhead, and yes. you've noticed that the mother in Bo is Afraid is a redhead.
0: Right, right. It can't so, be a
1: coincidence, can it?
0: I, I think there are too many. I think there are too many coincidences for them to be coincidences. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is a very conscious uh, interpretation of what Aster, I don't know, thinks about, about this, you know, and his, his feelings on sure. his relationship maybe with his own mother or his sort of complicated feelings around families and 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 maybe even, you know, uh, fame itself, the, the little bit that he has as a director of these successful movies, you know. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, not to, not to put the car before the horse too much, but I, this just seems like one of those things that if you know what it is, then Bo is Afraid becomes, I, I think, like an auteur-level... I I don't know. Masterpiece might be too strong of a word. I've only seen it twice, but it is, it is just, it's my kind of movie. You know, you get to a place where there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. The metaphors are really fascinating. It gives you a lot to think about. And it's the kind of movie that you walk away from at the end, really needing to think about what you just saw and, and really kind of making up your mind and, and taking a stand one way or the other, and it's kind of exactly the sort of film I want to see when I go to the movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lance, before we we start, you know, pushing this thing towards a conclusion here, other thoughts about the movie in general, um, in terms of like the the other performances or or score standouts or anything like that.
1: Well, I mean, one thing that we absolutely can't ignore, right? And and this is one of the big centerpieces of what makes these two movies so similar. Uh, Bo has no father figure, okay? Right. Pink has no father figure. Both fathers were lost through in, intense trauma. Hmm. Now, whether that be that Bo's father really did die the very first time he came, inside of a woman right? probably not (laughs) probably not what did you get from it did he did she lock him in the in the attic for a while until he died or that's that's really bizarre to i it's hard to say there was some kind of trauma i think she might have murdered him truthfully
0: my read on that was (laughs) after i i thought about it because obviously in the moment you're just like what the fuck am i looking at um I think that she's she's a successful businesswoman, right? Like that's clear. Yeah. She's obviously wealthy. She has a nice house. She's able to pay for his apartment. She's she's doing very well and she seems to be well uh, well respected at least.
1: And all, and all those medications she gave him it, over the years to he, to keep him
0: healthy and clean. Exactly.
1: And keep him exactly. away from those those nasty nasty girls, right?
0: That's right. Um I couldn't help but think about Maud from The Big Lebowski, whose okay. whole objective in that movie that you don't even know until you, you finish the movie is that she wants a child and she doesn't want the father to be anybody that she knows socially. So she sleeps with the dude with the okay. hopes that she gets pregnant, right? And sure. the, the feeling that I got from Bo's mother is that she was a really like self-driven, determined woman who was going to get what she wanted. And maybe what she wanted was a one night stand with somebody so that she could ah, have a son. Okay. And the maybe not I,
1: quite as sinister as I thought then.
0: Well, I think sinister in 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 a different way, right? Because okay. she just again incredibly driven um, businesswoman. I, I think that it stacks up that she is incredibly domineering. We know that emotionally she has a lot of control over Bo, but I think also maybe she wanted a child, but she wanted it on her terms, and she didn't want any outside interference. And the fact that the, you know, father figure, or the symbol for the father figure, the gigantic Mm -hmm. dick in the attic, was (laughs) hiding up there and was repressed kind of tells me that she didn't want any male influence on this kid and she felt like she could do a better job because the world is so harsh and 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 all that so that that was the read that i got it it might not be correct i might need to watch it a few more times and i missed a couple of details i I don't
1: don't think there is a correct or incorrect read on this movie jack i think that's what makes it such a great film
0: yeah yeah you know that was the feel that i got but i don't know the uh the murderer the murder aspect is interesting too because of course you know hide him in the attic a well, lot of fucked up things you know. have happened in attics in Ari Aster movies you know so
1: well you you know me dude you know my thoughts some Midsommar that 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 was not a murder suicide that that right. was simply murder right right <laughs> Pele Pele had a lot more going on and and I think that that um I think that my my opinion on that is that that, that group that Pele was involved in had a lot more influence in the United States than maybe we thought they did. But that's a talk for another time. Sure, Um, sure. So to get to the part, all right, let me get to one part, Jack, that I don't want to forget. So, okay, so when his mother is dead, right? Mm. And she's officially dead. And it's conveniently there's no face in the open casket, so you can't tell whether that was her or not. Although, as you, of course, they alluded to later, he did notice a birthmark. So it was proven that that wasn't really mother's body. Exactly. But when he's walking around the house and you've got the bread music playing, the real chilled out music from bread, yeah. and he's got all the posters, 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, all the different medications that she kept him on. Mm-hmm. Don't you think Mother was keeping him comfortably numb?
0: Oh, absolutely. all this time? Absolutely.
1: So that dude, this that's another just fucking straight on homage to the wall i would not say that ariaster ripped off the wall but i I, if i were to sit down and if you and i could sit down with ari Ari ariaster and have a couple of beers or a coffee with him right and if we honestly asked him have you ever seen pink floyd the wall and he said no i think we could both call him a liar
0: well I have to think that if we sat there and asked him that question, hopefully he would just turn and smile and shake his head. And then you'd be like, all right, man, all right. You've got it, sir. But, but I would
1: yeah. hope so. I would hope so. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean,
0: it's, it's kind of like you said. Um, you know, we still have a few months to go this year. There's a Scorsese movie coming out. I'm sure you know how I feel about Scorsese. And, you know, I've... I've I've really loved a couple of movies that have come out this year, but this one has really stayed in my head. Um, I I feel like it's probably going to stick around in my top five, un- unless the next few months have some real barn burners, you know, um, sure, sure. we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, just a I don't know, a movie that I feel like not a, enough people have seen. I know the three hour runtime scares folks, but you can always pause a movie and come back the next day. You know, that's if that's Absolutely. the only way you can watch it. Everybody's busy and you know, we're all living our lives. There's nothing wrong with that. So, um, so yeah. You know, this is usually the part of the show, Lance, where uh, we throw out some letter grades because it is movie homework. So, uh, we don't go one to ten; we go uh, from an A plus to an F. Um, I uh, I think I'll go first on this. If uh, unless you have anything else you want to add before we start throwing these these ratings out. No, no.
1: This this is great, man. We've covered a lot. We've covered Excellent.
0: a lot. Excellent. All right so i'll start it off um so i've seen this movie twice and it's actually made me want to watch it a third time uh i love the wall uh it's i saw the wall performed at fenway in 2012 it's oh, wow. the greatest <laughs> thing i have ever seen in my life in terms of did live they
1: play? Shows. did they play uh sweet caroline in the
0: middle <laughs> of the movie no man (laughs) oh no 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 this was roger waters the wall like it was it was the live show
1: oh the live show yes yes yes
0: um so it was it was incredible i i it's not fair to call it just a concert it was a show it was like unlike anything i've ever seen you know um so it's it's amazing but um i've loved that for a long time and the fact that somebody had the balls to make a movie, an, basically an art house film, an A24 three-hour movie that is essentially their take on the wall, I I'm, I have so much more respect for Ari Aster now than I did six months ago. You know, it's just... Oh, wow. Okay. So, totally on my wavelength. I love the choice. Um, I'm close to loving this movie. I think... Whew, I think it's a very strong... Very strong. I think it's an A minus for me. I think it's an A minus. Nice. not. Nice. I, I don't know that I can call it a masterpiece. I don't know that I can call it a favorite yet. But I feel like it's on the road okay. to there. You know. So it's pretty close. Um, not bad. So what do you what do you think, Lance? So Hereditary
1: for me was a just a straight F A plus. Mm-hmm. Like for for a director's first film ever, I, I yeah. was so blown away with that and just upon rewatch it 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 only gets better it, sure. it truly it only gets better um a plus um the guys didn't agree with me as much but uh actually Midsummer is it, i would say is my favorite of his three so far this this one's an easy a um i, I the fact that i loved it so much more in the second viewing really says a lot jack so Excellent. I mean there's room to move. My favorite film of the year so far is also an A twenty four film, but it's uh Speak to Me. Oh talk not to not this me. one. Or talk to me, yeah. Talk right. to me. Gotcha. Uh the Australian film. Have you mm. seen that one yet? I have,
0: yeah. <laughs> What'd you think? I thought it was interesting. I uh I, I do have some questions about it, but I, I'm I'm kinda looking forward to a second watch on that one. So
1: Yeah. That's that's the second, third, fourth watch. But uh, just to give you an idea of how much I love comedy, my second favorite movie of the year so far is Renfield. So there
0: you go. All right. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right. So that, that's that's pretty respectable. A from yourself, A minus from myself. Um, that's that's pretty high praise. Um, I would say if you have not, if, you know, if you didn't care about the spoilers and you listened to this episode, you should really go watch *Boys is Afraid. I think it's well worth your time and if you like Bo is Afraid absolutely watch Pink Floyd's The Wall if you're unfamiliar with it at least listen to the album and if you're going to listen to the album listen to the live one on the Is There Anybody Out There uh, box set because that that's the preferred version that's, just, that's where it's at um, alright Lance as far as uh, where everybody can find you where, where, where can we hear more from uh, you and the Horror Returns Network
1: Oh man, just check out our website thehorrorreturns.com. Um, you know, we got a Facebook group and all that good stuff. But uh, you know, we're we're on all the major podcast platforms. We do it through Podbean, so like if you go to Apple Podcasts or anything else, search for the horror returns and you're there. And we also, by the way, do
0: action movies and wrestling, just so you know. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> all right um and as far as myself uh well if you're on the movie homework feed you know uh we're still here binge movie homework at gmail.com you can find myself on facebook we've got the binge media group and uh you know keep an eye on the patreon uh things may be happening there pretty soon so we'll uh we'll have to see but definitely have more content coming your way and uh yeah, Lance, I'm really glad we could carve out some time to talk about this. It's been in the works for a little while. Uh, it was well worth, I think, both of our time, and uh, yeah, this was awesome, man. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, thanks a lot. been a long time coming since we first saw the movie, I think. It's we true. both
1: noticed it, so there yeah. you go.
0: Really good stuff. Alright, that's it for myself. I'm saying peace. Thank you for listening to Movie Homework a Binge Media production. Follow the
1: Binge Media podcast network at BingeMedia.com, Patreon.com slash Binge Media,
0: or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at BingeMovieHomework at gmail.com.